Welcome to Walk Through the Bible, Susan Michaels' 12-month journey through the most exciting book on the planet. It will transform your life one page at a time. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes that will ignite your faith and bring your Bible to life. Now, let's join our host, Susan Michael. Well, hey there, and welcome back. This is Walk Through the Bible, week 22. We're reading this week from pages 674 to 704 in the Daily Bible and the dates of May 28th through June the 3rd in the Daily Bible. Now, the last couple of weeks, we have really been on a roller coaster. First, we climbed to the very top of the mountains. I mean, it was glorious. The kingdom of Israel was at their best ever under David and then King Solomon. It was the biggest, the borders were the biggest, it was the wealthiest, it had peace and prosperity, and under Solomon had a king that was just known for his wisdom throughout the earth. I mean, everything was going great. And then last week, that roller coaster just went flying down to the valley, and our beloved King Solomon started worshiping other gods. It is so hard to understand how he could do that. But the heart is very deceptive, and it we follow where our heart takes us. And I also think, you know, there's some spiritual warfare that the uh, the enemy knows um, who's important and he tries to bring them down. And if there's any little open door, he'll get in there and entice. And he certainly did that with King Solomon. So God pronounced judgment, said he's going to rip the kingdom from Solomon, but he's going to wait until Solomon has died and uh, he's going to do it from his son. And he's already spoken to Jeroboam that he's going to give him 10 tribes to be king over them. Of course, Jeroboam had to flee to Egypt. So that's where we uh, left our story last week. We We also are reading this week the book of Ecclesiastes. And there's some debate about Ecclesiastes of who actually wrote it. Um, It means the preacher. Ecclesiastes means the preacher or teacher. It's believed Solomon wrote it, but it might have been written by someone posing uh, to be Solomon. But if Solomon did write it, more than likely he wrote it at this period in his life, which is why the Daily Bible places it here. Because the outlook in Ecclesiastes is a little... Uh, sometimes a little depressed, and it's a very secular outlook in a way, looking at earth and at life, and it's futile, and he's asking the man's ultimate question, which is this, what is the meaning of life? And um, the book of Ecclesiastes, though, does have some gems in it where we see the truth uh, in the midst of um, a rather um, depressed view of the world or a, a secular view of life, uh, we find some gems. And so um, the most famous chapter in Ecclesiastes is chapter 3, and this is the one that says there's a time for everything. And it's often quoted at funerals. We've all heard parts of this chapter 
Uh, I'm not going to read through it, but just there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, etc., etc. So that is here in Ecclesiastes. Um, I am going to read to you a portion from that chapter, chapter 3, and starting with verse 10, says, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toll. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. And then uh, down in verse 15, it says, uh, or actually 16, so, and I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. And in the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. I just want to mention that throughout Ecclesiastes, when the writer uses this term under the sun, what I saw under the sun, he means on earth. Earth is under the sun as opposed to the heavens that would be above the sun. Um, But here he says, you know, no matter what, God is going to judge every deed. And this is what I want to bring out. The very last two verses of the entire book of Ecclesiastes, repeat that. And that's uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 13 through 14. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So that is the conclusion of Ecclesiastes. And I think it probably came straight from the mouth of Solomon that he realized God is going to judge every deed that I've done. And surely God's going to. So let's continue our story. Uh, Solomon now passes away and his son Rehoboam becomes king. And so the people come to Rehoboam and they said, listen, you know, your father really taxed us hard. He was really very hard on us. Can you just lighten the load? And you know, this is one of the ways that Solomon became so wealthy was through a a taxation system throughout the country. He had 12 governors and their main job was collecting the taxes from the people in their district and paying them to the king. And uh, towards the end of his life, he had even conscripted Israelites as slave labor. And so, I mean, he was very harsh on the people. And so they're looking to Rehoboam. They're saying, can you lighten the load? And Rehoboam goes to the elders uh, for advice 
And they said yes. But then he turns to his peers, the young people, and they said no. So Rehoboam says to the people of Israel, you think my father was hard? I'm going to be even harder. And at the news of that, the people of Israel, the northern ten tribes, said, forget it. And they turned back. They rejected Rehoboam as king. And they made Jeroboam, who had returned from Egypt, they made him king over the ten tribes, just as the prophet had prophesied over Jeroboam that this was going to happen. So we now have two kingdoms and we have two stories uh, taking place simultaneously. The story of the southern kingdom of Judah with the king Rehoboam and the story of the northern kingdom of Israel with the king Jeroboam. Now, there was a lot of strife between the two, and the south was ready to go to war with the north, when in 1 Kings 12, the prophet says to them, Do not fight against your brothers, the Israelites. Go home, every one of you, for this is my doing. Whoa! Division was God's doing, but it was. It was part of his judgment. Unfortunately, the king of the north, Jeroboam, does not follow the Lord's decrees and his commandments as God had told him to. And God had made this amazing promise to Jeroboam that he was going to give him a dynasty as enduring as the one he had given David. But Jeroboam had to obey his commandments and Jeroboam lost it all because what did he do? Well, first of all, he looked at the situation and he said, all my people in my kingdom are now going to go down to the southern kingdom, to Jerusalem, in order to worship in the temple. And they're going to get down there and they're going to see the king, Rehoboam, and I'm going to lose them. So I need them to stay in the north to worship. So he built two golden calves, and he put one in the north of Israel at Dan, the city of Dan, and he put the other one in the south of Israel in Bethel. So geographically, people could come from wherever and reach one of these worship places. Now, when we read this scripture, it's really quite astounding. It's like, how can he do this? Because in 1 Kings 12, 28, he sets up these two golden calves, and then he tells the people of Israel, Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Now, from the research that I've done, um, Jeroboam was not probably saying to the people that the calves were their god that had brought them out of Egypt. I mean, that's just like, how could he say that? But at that time, in the, in the Mesopotamian world, the uh, gods were often seen riding on an animal. So it is very, very possible what he was saying was that here is the footstool of the God of Israel. So like in the temple, we said that the Ark of the Covenant was the footstool of God. His seat was in heaven. But the ark was like his footstool. It was his connecting point. 
that um, maybe he was using the calves in that way, that they were the footstool of the God of Israel. Um, he does say, here are your gods uh, who brought you up to Egypt. So that seems to go a little bit farther uh, than that, that he was pointing to the God of Israel um, because also the bull was known to be a depiction of the God Baal. So the golden calf, it did a couple of different things. Number one, to the Israelites that still wanted to worship the God of Israel, he was saying, like, here he is, uh, this is his footstool, the bull. But the bull also satisfied those that were practicing paganism, and it made them comfortable in these worship sites that Jeroboam had set up. So at at the very best, this was a perversion of the worship of the God of Israel, but at its worst, it did become idolatry. And, um, and so it was a political move to consolidate his kingdom, to give the people something to worship that they would worship and they would be loyal to him. And um, in order to do this, then he had to set up a new priesthood, a priesthood that would support this perversion and idolatrous element in the worship. So the Levites, it says, fled the north and went down to Judah, as well as any Israelites that really were after the pure worship of the God of Israel in the temple. And so they moved down to uh, Judah. Uh, this is a terrible thing that Jeroboam has done. Um, and in 1 Kings 13, the prophet denounces Jeroboam and these altars, uh, which shows that God was very displeased with it. It was a bad thing. Um, so even though God had made this amazing promise to Jeroboam, um, he had just brought down judgment on himself. There was continual war and division between the north and the south. And uh, unfortunately, under Rehoboam uh, in the south, Judah also turns to worshiping other gods. And uh, this just goes to prove what we talked about last week. This The idolatry around them was so enticing. And I'll tell you, for me, I don't understand. Why was it so tempting? Why would they be tempted? But uh, there's there's something about the setting and the culture, and I think we'd only really understand it if we were standing there in the midst of it and saw how enticing it was, but it really was a downfall. And so uh, Judah also falls into idolatry. The difference in the rest of our story, the difference between the North and the South, is that in the North, um, all of the kings follow in the sin of Jeroboam. In the south, in Judah, we do have the story coming up of two good kings, and they lead their people back into true worship of the God of Israel, but the rest of them don't. And so um, it's, it's bad now, but it does only get worse. Uh, that does it for this week. I do want to point out to you a couple of resources. Uh, one is, today we heard about this altar in the city of Dan, and I want you to know that when you go with me to Israel, we always go to Tel Dan. And uh, at Tel Dan, you'll, we enter the city, and then we climb up the hills 
to get to the highest point of the city of Dan. It was a large settlement, but when you get up to that highest point, they have actually uncovered the altar of Jeroboam. And so you can see the uh, stone platform and the stairs that go up where the priests would go up there to make the sacrifice on the altar. And um, it's really quite amazing to sit there and think this is where this worship was that then um, just it infiltrated all of northern Israel and for generations to come and brought the downfall. So um, in today's show notes, we have a sign up. You can sign up for the interest list of a tour to Israel as soon as we have the next one with the dates and we have the package together. We'll let you know when it is and hopefully you can go with us and you can see this uh, there at Tel Dan and uh, we'd love to have you go with us. So we have gone from our mountaintop down to the absolute lowest valley, and we're going to stay here for a little bit in the coming weeks as we talk about the various kings throughout the history of the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah before their final, final judgment comes. So we'll see you back here next week, and until then, God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.